0: Of troubles in our lives on a daily basis. But every once in a while we come to a crisis that is a full-blown knock knockdown crisis and, well, simply we're just taken off guard. They may come like a tsunami or an earthquake and jolt us suddenly off our feet, or they may come perhaps suddenly in the back door when we least expect it. As someone has said, If you can keep your head when all those round about you are losing theirs, it may just be a sign that you do not understand the situation. I kind of have to chuckle at that. Well, let's consider for a few moments today in our message, God's work, and see what God's word has to say. I'm going to be reading from Acts chapter 12, one of my favorite stories in all the Bible. Well, let's begin with verse 1. Now, about that time, it says, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church, and he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw it please the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter. Uh, then there were these days of unleavened bread. Verse 4 continues, And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaterians of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter, that is, after the Passover, to bring him forth to the people. Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And, behold, it says, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side, and raised him up, saying, Rise up quickly and his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. And so he did, And he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee, and follow me. And he went out, and followed him, and wist, that is, and knew not that it was true which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. When they were past the first and the second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened to them of his own accord. And they went out, and passed on through one street. And forthwith the angel departed from him. Now let's stop there for a moment. We'll continue with our story and take up the rest of the reading in just a few moments. Let's though digest and think about the background. It's very important, the setting that is to this story. You see, Herod was a vile, ruthless, wicked individual. He wanted to torture, vex, and disturb the church. He has already taken James, the brother of John, and put him to death. We read that in the text a moment ago. He saw that pleased the multitude, and so he decided, well, I'm going to get Peter and throw him into prison also, and and said that after Passover, he would bring him out and put his head on the chopping block, and, well, he would show everybody who's really the big cheese around here. Herod was an absolute wicked and a very cruel man. This was a very serious crisis that we find ourselves in, specifically Peter finds himself in. Let me ask the question as we launch into our message today, how do you handle a crisis? What do you do in times of crises in your life? Well, I'm going to give you four pointers today because if you don't need them today, well, perhaps you will need them tomorrow. Number one, please note, if you would, with me today, number one, we should respect the mystery of God's providence. Now, as you look in this chapter, there is one word that comes through. It's the word providence. You're going to see the hidden hand of God. God is going to be working in a mysterious way and certainly in an inexplicable way. God has a way of working in the shadows and arranging things that we do not see. Always remember that just because we cannot see God working, that does not mean that God is not at work. Your life, my life may be spinning out of control right now and nothing is making any sense and your world seems to be turned upside down. Listen, friend, just because it does not make sense to you That does not mean it does not make sense. The example of the context of our story here in Acts chapter 12 certainly reminds us of that. You know, I I would tend to even ask the question as I read perhaps this text for the first time, and I've studied it many, many times, but I might be asking the question about this juncture why did God allow Herod to be king? Why doesn't God just step in and do something? Why should James be killed and Peter released? Is God out of control? Why are all of these things happening? Well, those and other questions are certainly fair questions after reading such verses today. But the fact of the matter is this. We do not live by explanations. Life is not a problem to be solved, but it's a mystery to be lived. Sometimes we need to step away and see the hidden hand of God. We need to respect that God is at work even when we are not aware. I think of the illustration of a painter at work and sometimes with all the tape and all the cans and everything all over the place and as he cuts in the corners, it, it doesn't look like he knows what he's doing as a painter. It, it just doesn't have that finished look until it's all done. Likewise, my friends, sometimes God puts his colors on a canvas, and then God makes more of a mess, and we wonder, what is happening? It does not make sense humanly to me, but it does make sense divinely to God. So here is Herod's ungodly power being released and Peter, now in our story, as we saw in these latter verses, has been released, and uh, death is uh, certainly something that was on the docket for him. And I think, my friend, you can agree, we call and see the providence of God at work. Remember at this juncture what it says in Romans 8:28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And now most of us have uh, the connotation that life gets bad, then life gets good, and then it, it gets a, a little bit worse, and then maybe it takes a spike up and gets really good, and then it gets bad again, back and forth, back and forth. But I don't like to think of life like that, No. Life is like a railroad track. One rail is good, and the other rail is bad. The good and the bad are running parallel together. Have you ever noticed that? Wonderful things are happening at the same time, and there seems to be certain problems or certain troubles that are happening. They kind of coincide. They go together. Many of us do not understand that. We believe we are going to get to the time in life when things won't be so bad and when difficult things won't happen. Uh, we often tend to think that when all of something is over, then we will be okay and we can do what we want to do. We say things like, well, when the children are grown, when, when I get out of school, when I get well, when I get better, when I finally get that job, when I finally buy that house, on and on and on it goes. Sometimes we would just like to live life without the bad, but that's simply not realistic. God mixes these things together for His glory, for His honor. You don't live by explanations, and you will never be able to explain God. Rather, you live by promises. Let God be God. You should respect the mystery of God's providence, Allow God to be God, and just because it doesn't make human sense to you or to me, that doesn't mean it doesn't make sense to God. If you are in a crisis, don't demand you understand it. We should respect the mystery of God's providence. But number two, as we talk about how to really handle a crisis in our lives, number two, we should request the ministry of God's people. What is the ministry of God's people? Well, it's prayer. Look again at verse 5 of Acts chapter 12. Peter therefore, it says, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Well, that's a great verse. There seems to be no hope for Peter. Peter seems to be in maximum security. Peter is guarded on the outside by two guards. There's actually 16 guards Guarding Peter? He must have been important. This was a very serious thing to Herod. Also, the text tells us that Peter is chained to a guard on this hand, and he's chained to a guard on that hand. On top of that, he is sentenced to death. And a wicked king says, I am going to execute you soon, Mr. Peter. Well, that is a crisis. There seems to be no hope for Peter. Every door for Peter is shut except for one, the one that goes straight up. We can pray in a crisis. And when there is no hope on the horizontal level, there is always hope on the vertical level. I want us to look at this prayer for a moment. Because when there is the mystery of God's providence, there is the ministry of God's people. What if you would form with me as we think of this prayer? Notice, first of all, the frequency of the prayer. Verse 5 tells us prayer was made without ceasing. They prayed and they did not stop praying. They prayed some more and they prayed some more. Some may ask why God did not answer their prayer as Peter is kept in prison and God doesn't seem to be in a hurry. Well, I think God is trying to teach them a lesson about prayer, and it's certainly one of the great lessons about prayer in the Bible, and it's, it's the word persistence, the lesson of persistence. The Bible says to ask, seek, and knock, and the Bible says to keep on asking, seeking, and knocking. Luke 18, verse 1, and he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. We need to learn that God's delays are not God's denials. There is a frequency of prayer over and over and over. But number two, there is a fervency of prayer. Verse five also says that, well, the prayer was without ceasing. Without ceasing may be understood intensely. They were were intense in their prayers. What do we know about intensity in prayer? Well, I know one thing for certain, when you're in a crisis, you learn to pray with intensity. Jeremiah 29, 13 in the Old Testament says, "...and ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart." Well, you could write down intensity by that verse. Casual prayer comes much easier for us than intense prayer. After all, prayer takes effort. Did you know that the Bible calls prayer wrestling? The Bible talks about this this idea in Romans 15, 30. Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit, that ye strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. Strive, you wrestle. Have you ever thought of prayer as striving or wrestling? If you get to a place of serious intercession... You will find the devil fighting you and opposing you on every corner. There is the frequency of the prayer, there is the fervency of the prayer, and then number three, there is the fellowship of the prayer. The Bible says that it was made of the church. Verse five, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church. That is, they came together to pray. Remember, Jesus said that where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And then it says that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that you ask, it shall be done, it will be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. So God is pleased when his children pray, but he is more pleased when his children pray in fellowship. There is nothing that will bind a church more together than praying. This prayer was made of the church for Peter. And then I want you to notice finally, number four, the faith of the prayer. It says the prayer was unto God. They were not praying to one another. They were not trying to impress anyone else. They were desperate. The prayer was unto God perhaps the reason that we don't pray with fervency is because we think we can do without prayer in our lives. Perhaps the worst thing about us is not our prayerlessness, but maybe our pride. We need to empty ourselves and we need to of ourselves and we need to fill ourselves with the holy spirit. The devil mocks at our schemes. He he laughs at our organization. He, He ridicules our talents, but he fears our prayers. These people are going to pray to get Peter out of prison. Citizens of that day may have laughed, but the devil did not laugh. Remember a quote I heard years ago. The devil trembles when he sees the weakest saint upon his knees. That's exactly what's taking place here. There's there's the faith of the prayer, and then there's, well, I said it was going to be the final one, but number five, the focus of the prayer. I'm still there in verse 5 of chapter 12. Prayer was made, it says, without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Notice the last two words, for him. Prayer was not just with intensity, uh, but it was with specificity. What do you pray for? What did you pray for today? Did you know that many of our prayers are so vague that if God answered them, we would know it? And if God didn't answer them, we wouldn't have to admit it. When Peter showed up, they knew their prayer had been answered and they were praying for him, specifically for Peter. What are you specifically praying for? What are you specifically asking God for today? Now, when you're in a crisis, respect the mystery of God's providence, request the ministry of God's people, and, well, number three, rest in the mastery of God's peace. Acts 12, verse 6. When Herod would have brought him forth the same night Peter was sleeping between Two soldiers bound with two chains and the keepers before the door kept the, it says it kept the prison. I read that verse and I I, I kind of chuckle, my friend. There he is, Peter is asleep and the next morning he is to be executed. He's in jail, chained up. He's, he's sleeping so sound that the angel has to poke him in the ribs and wake him up. That's what it says in Acts 12, 7. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. This is the peace, my friend, in the midst of the storm. I I read this and I ask myself, how could Peter sleep in such a crisis? Well, number one, I think you would answer that question. He is no longer afraid of death. He has seen the risen, resurrected Christ. Remember, a man is not ready to live until he is prepared to die. I think we could also answer the question about uh, Peter's quietness and uh, comfort at this time by, by saying that, well, he knows that God's people are praying for him. This certainly helps me tremendously when I'm aware that people are praying for me. You see, Peter is aware of God's presence. He knew that Scripture said, He that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber or sleep. The Bible says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Listen, turn your problem over to the Lord, regardless of what size it is there is the mastery of God's peace Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee. Again, Paul said in Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, Shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You see, they thought they were guarding Peter in prison. No, no. God's peace was guarding Peter in prison. Okay. Respect the mystery of God's providence. Request the ministry of God's people, that is the prayer. Rest in the mastery of God's peace in the midst of your storm, uh, no matter what it is. And now, number four, rejoice in the majesty of God's power. Mm, Do you think God was out of control when James was killed? Do you think God was out of control when Peter was placed in prison? The answer to both of those questions, no, with a big exclamation point. Acts chapter 12, we continue our story. We must do so. Look with me at verses 7, maybe through verse 10. And it says, Behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, "'Gird thyself, and bind on thy sandals.' And so he did, and he saith unto him, "'Cast thy garment about thee, and follow me.' And he went out, and followed him, and wist not, knew not, that it was true, which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. When they were past the first and the second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened to them of his own accord.' And they went out and passed on through one street and forthwith the angel departed from him. Boy, I like this story. I like this part of the story. It's, it's so exciting to me and, 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 and what it says at the end that the angel only took Peter so far and basically said, Peter, so long, you're on your own now." now. Now I want you to notice how God's power is working here. Some people may have thought God was weak and could not do anything or that God was unconcerned and did not care. Maybe you even feel that way in your own problem, in your own situation right now, wondering where God is and if God really cares. It's very interesting that Peter's deliverance came at the last moment. Did you notice how leisurely this whole story is? God moves in majesty and leisure and they walk out and through the two wards and the gates and then the angel leaves Peter and then that iron gate opens. Peter is going to go where the prayer meeting was taking place. You see, the people are at the house with the front door shut and the gate locked and they're having a prayer meeting inside. So Peter goes up and he knocks on the door the maid looks through the little peephole and sees Peter, but does not open the door. She goes back and she tells the people that God heard their prayer, and Peter, he's at the door. They don't listen to her. Her name is Rhoda. They don't listen to Rhoda, and they tell her to just to go back, doing what she was doing before. <laughs> Did you ever think about how it was easier for Peter to get out of prison than it was for Peter to get in that prayer meeting? (laughs) Learn, prayer is never an excuse for laziness. There was no way Peter could have opened that prison gate, but there there was a way that that other gate could have been opened. We can't change water to wine, but we can fill earthen pots. We can't raise Lazarus from the dead, but we can take the grave clothes off. You see, there are certain things we can do, and prayer is never an excuse for laziness. We we need to understand that we pray to God for daily bread, but we need to remember that the Bible says that if a man doesn't work, that he shouldn't eat. You see, the Bible is a balanced book. God is a balanced being. Here is God moving in majestic power. God is still on the throne. The last part of this chapter We don't have time to go there. But King Herod is stricken dead because of his arrogance and pride. He's eaten of worms. We see the hidden hand of God is at work in all of this. Now, if you are in a situation and God does not deliver you, and he did not deliver James, it is not because God can't deliver you. And if God is not working according to what you see... That does not mean that God is not working. And if evil seems to succeed, just remember that the success of evil is only temporary. Woodrow Wilson, previous president, once said, and I quote, I would rather temporarily fail with a cause than to ultimately succeed, than than to ultimately succeed, than to temporarily succeed with a cause that will ultimately fail. Now, let me give you four things to remember if you're in a crisis right now. Number one, don't demand understand. You will never figure it out. Number two, remember the resource of prayer. Number three, put your eyes upon God and rest in his love. And number four, accept God's power to move in his own time and in his own way. God is at work and God will work. God will move in perfect ways even beyond our understanding. Let's pray right now and thank God for the, 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 the hope that can be ours even in a crisis situation. What a beautiful story we have that we've just read that reminds us and gives us some principles that we need to put to practice in our own lives. Father, we thank you for your care over us, even when we cannot see you at work, even, Lord, when we do not understand your ways. Lord, we choose to trust you. Thank you, Lord, for the story of the Apostle Peter, one who was faithful, Lord, to the very end, who who ran the course, who persevered. Thank you, dear God, that these believers could show us about the importance of prayer and coming together collectively. Help us, Lord, to be men and women of prayer and to trust you wholly and solely for whatever that need, yea, whatever that crisis is in our life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.